I'm glad that we're able to come back together and have another period of worship. That was uh, the perfect song, uh, Brother Bobby, that could have been led. My sermon tonight is entitled, What an Encouragement. If you'll be opening your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, we're going to use verses 31 through 35 as the basis for the sermon this evening. We ought to sing and be happy even when sometimes the, the skies look gray. Why do we have to do that? Because in this life we're going to face hardships, aren't we? We're going to face things in this life that is discouraging. Things that we might say take the wind out of ourselves. We're going to see disappointments. In fact, some of the hardships that we are going to encounter in this life, we may allow that to consume us to the point where we lose sight of everything else. Because that can happen. We know that is life, don't we? It's hard to live in this life sometimes. But we must never allow it to get in between us and what we know is the most important thing, and that is God. Of course, those things are easy to say. It's easy to say, don't become discouraged to the point where you no longer are looking toward God. Don't become discouraged and disappointed and caught up in the trials of this life. That's easy for someone to make that statement on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening and and then on Tuesday night, we're wondering how we're going to pay our rent. Or we're wondering about our family members who are misbehaving or have health issues or whatever the case may be. It's easy to talk about it when the sun is shining. But we need to also understand we can talk about it when the sun is not shining. We have to be able to apply it to our lives. There's going to be times we may even feel like God has forsaken us. Now, that's not the case. But there may come a time when we may feel that way. We may feel like that we just simply do not understand that we've done all we can do. We've done everything that the Lord has asked us and we've, we've asked for the things that we need and it just didn't work out for us. Well, God is still with us. He is still sharing His great love for us. We need to work through the times of difficulties and trials. One poet wrote this, He said, I said, God, I hurt. And God said, I know. I said, God, I cry a lot. And God said, that's why I gave you tears. I said, God, I am so depressed. And God said, that is why I gave you sunshine. I said, God, life is so hard. And God said, that is why I gave you you loved ones. I said, God, my loved one died. And God said, so did mine. I said, God, it is such a loss. And God said, I saw mine nailed to a cross. I said, God, but your loved one still lives. And God said, so does yours. I said, God, where are they now? And God said, mine is at my right side and yours is in the light. I said, God, it hurts. And God said, I know. We need to always keep in mind when we think that we are in a situation that no one other than us has ever experienced, And that God doesn't really understand because after all, He is in heaven. He's not here on this earth with us because we can't see Him. We need to always keep in mind that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, Hebrews 4, 15. When those times of sadness come our way, we need to remember to always look up even when we think we cannot. 
Let me share with you some information about the buzzard, the bat, and the bumblebee. If you put a buzzard in a pen, six or eight feet square, and entirely open the top, the bird, in spite of his ability to fly, will never leave the ground. He will be an absolute prisoner. The reason for that is the buzzard needs nine to ten feet uh, nine, uh, or 12, up to 12 feet, to have kind of a running start to get up into the air. And so he'll sit on the ground and he'll be in that cage, a complete prisoner, yet all along above him is an opening. An ordinary bat, the one that flies around at night and is so nimble in the air, he cannot take off from a level place. He has to crawl around and drag himself with his wings until he gets to a spot that is a little bit elevated so he can throw himself off and get into the air. Now if he's placed on the ground and he is surrounded by some kind of a barrier and doesn't have to be very tall, he'll continue to look around and to look around and try to gain some altitude where he can cast himself into the air, yet all along the whole top is wide open. Now the bumblebee, you can take a bumblebee and drop him into an open container, let's say maybe a a quart jar or something like that, and he will stay there until he dies. He will walk around the bottom of that looking for a place to get out on the bottom all along. He could get out through the top if he would just fly out. He wants to go out through the sides. He looks for a way out that does not exist. Now in many ways, there are a whole lot of people in the world that are kind of like the buzzard, the bat, and the bumblebee, right? Sometimes we're like that. We're struggling about with with our problems and our frustrations, and all along, the answer is above us if we'll just look in that direction. Of course, we're talking about God. We need to turn to Him. Even when it looks like There is no hope. That's what Paul was wanting to do. In his letter to the Roman Christians, he wanted to give them some encouragement and some hope. He wanted them to look to God even though their surroundings were going to be what we might say less than desirable. That's what happens sometimes though, isn't it? Sometimes we look around and that's the way our circumstances are. We do lose those whom we love. We do fall upon financial distresses at times. We do see our family members sometimes involved in activities that are not good for them. And sometimes we get so caught up in the bad things of life that we can't seem to look at the good. Have you ever heard the the saying, it's kind of like a train wreck, you don't want to look at it, but you really can't help yourself? Sometimes that's the way life can be. The Holy Spirit, through the pen of the great Apostle Paul, wants us to be encouraged. Because no matter what happens in this life, it will surely be worth it all. And again, that's easy to say when the sun is shining. And, and we, we don't see necessarily any great turmoil right before us. But look, the turmoil's coming. If it hasn't come, it will. That's just the way life is at times. It's not always what we want. But what great encouragement we can receive from this passage in Paul's letter to the Romans. Now, there are about three things 
that I want us to take away from this short passage. We're going to notice in the first two verses that we can be encouraged because God has sacrificed for us. That's our first point. He has sacrificed for us. In, in the letter, Paul, are, Paul is making a statement. He's asking rhetorical questions. He is wanting for some kind of a reaction to be made from what he is saying. He's trying to elicit a reaction. He asks this, what shall we say then to these things? Well, to what things? Terrible things are in the world, Paul, so what are you talking about? What shall we say to what? Well, God's ability to save us. God's ability to do things for us that no one else can do for us. The whole of chapter 8 deals with His his power, His ability to give us eternal life if we'll take it. So what do we say about that? What can we say about the privileged status that we can gain by being faithful? When we look back on it, and of course we don't know what eternity will be like, but if we're able to look back, and I know we'll have memories, I know that we'll be able to recall our life in this physical world and we look back on it and we think about the worst thing that ever happened to us. And surely it will be worth it all. In my mind, you look back and you say, well, I lost someone that I loved dearly in this life and I had to spend a certain amount of time in this physical world without them, but we gain heaven and our prayer is that they were faithful. And when we gain heaven together, that period of time on earth when we were parted will pale in comparison to eternity of being with them, our family members. What Paul is saying here, what shall we say? He's he's saying, what's the logical conclusion? Why are you so worried about the things in this life? Because God is on our side. God wants us to be saved, and if He is for us, who can stand against us? Of course, again, this is a rhetorical question. The if here is not the if of uncertainty, but the the if of certain knowledge before the fact. We understand. He's saying since, in essence, God is for us. Why are we worrying so much? Well, we're going to worry a little bit in this life. But no one can stand before our Father and prosecute us before Him. He sacrificed for us. He placed Himself in a position to be our Savior. Now, we can accept that or we can allow Him to be a prosecutor. But He wants to be our Savior. The evidence points to the fact that God is for us. So let's listen to the words of some other inspired writers. Have you ever heard this standing at the side of a newly dug grave? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The writer of Hebrews says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with that, uh, with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, 5-6. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Again, if He's for us, who can stand against us? Well, no one, even when things in this life don't go our way. At least no one that matters can stand before us, right? No one that matters. Now, does that mean that, that no one will ever stand in our way? That no one will ever oppose us in this life? No one will ever hurt us or or inflict pain and agony upon us? Well, that's, that's exactly not what He's saying. That's going to happen. But what He's saying is that when those things happen, what is my reaction going to be to those circumstances? Don't allow those circumstances to drag me away from God. There's no need for that. No one can separate us, right? No one can separate us if we don't allow it. Paul's question was designed to elicit the the correct reaction. But he wanted the readers to focus on those results that came with that. We should be encouraged. Why? God didn't spare His own Son. Think about that for a few minutes. That's how Paul described God, wasn't it? He that, that spared not His own Son, and then he expressed His own personal blessed. Uh, assurance in Him. He understood, He believed, and He explains that. He reasons here from the greatest to the least. He says, if He didn't keep back the most precious thing that He had, the greatest gift that we could ever be given, why would He not take care of us in the other aspects of our lives? Well, surely He will. Surely He will. That doesn't mean that Things are always going to go exactly as we want them to go, but God takes care of the faithful. Paul's choice of words here would stand out to the readers. They would have had a a very clear understanding and, and knowledge of the Old Testament Scripture. They would have especially been reminded of Abraham and Isaac and and the way that Abraham showed his great love for God in that he offered his only son, his only uh, son that he loved, the promised son as sacrifice to God. Of course, the difference in what Abraham did and what God provided for us is that there was no angel to stay the hand of the executioner that nailed our Lord to the cross. There was no ram caught in the thicket that might be exchanged in place of that sacrifice. God did give His Son. In fact, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 You see, God could not spare His precious Son. He couldn't do it if He wanted His plan of redemption to unfold. He had to offer that. When we think of Abraham in, in the, the, the three days or so prior to his going up on that mountain and offering his son, because that's how long it took, about that long to get there. Once they left, And all that time, what do you think is on Abraham's mind? He's going to lose his son. He's going to lose his promised son. He's going to lose the son that he loves. 
For three days he thought about that. And, and it must have worn upon him as he bore that great burden. But I want you to think about this. When did God understand that he was going to give his only begotten son from eternity? Do you think God dwelt on that and thought about that and was bothered by that and was saddened because of that? For 4,000 years, in our time anyway. Because before time, in eternity, God purposed that that would happen. Ephesians 3 verse 11. But He didn't spare His own Son. And He didn't die for just a portion of the world either. He died for all of mankind. Hebrews 2 verse 9. In fact, only those who choose not to be obedient are the ones that are not going to be saved. They have an opportunity, right? We have that opportunity. That ought to encourage us. Peter told those who received his letter, 2 Peter 1 verse 10, he said, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things you shall never fall. That ought to encourage us, even during times of despair and trial. We know we can be saved. This world is a very temporary place. If we don't believe that, ask some of us who've lost loved ones, right? By doing what our Lord asked us to do, we can gain that salvation. Notice John twelve forty eight. Christ said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. During our times of trouble, let's be encouraged by the fact that God sacrificed for us. Boy, if that's not the greatest thing that ought to bring a smile to the face of every single Christian who's ever lived on this earth, nothing will bring a smile to our faces. But we have a second point. I want us to be encouraged. Not only because God sacrificed for us, God continues to safeguard us. He safeguards us. We have to understand from what He safeguards us. Well, in this particular passage, Paul says he safeguards us from false declarations. Things said against us that are not true. Paul asked another question to get the brethren to think. He said, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who can charge God's faithful? Who can charge the faithful Christian of any wrongdoing? Of any sin? Well, what's the answer? No one. I want us to look at this and make sure we keep it in context of what Paul is talking about. Romans 8.28, Paul says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Again, and we've talked about this, elect means to pick or to choose. We are God's elect because we choose. We did choose to become faithful and to be obedient to His laws. Those who love God follow His Son, right? If you love me, keep my commandments. That's, that's simple, John 14, 15. And that's not some arbitrary number either. Again, that goes out to the whole world. Everyone can be encouraged if we will be obedient. He wants all men to be saved, 1 Timothy 2, 4. If we obey Him, we'll do those things. We'll believe, right? We talk about this all the time. The plan of salvation, the steps that... Uh, add us to the body of the Lord's church, belief, repentance, turning our lives around, focusing on Christ, doing the things He's asked us to do, 
turning away from the world, living like He wants us to live, confessing that He is the Son of God, Romans 10, 9 and 10, being buried with Him in baptism, Acts 2, 38, Romans 6, 3 and 4, and then living a faithful life. That's how we get to heaven. And because of our obedience, no person can declare us to be sinful. No one can say that we're not doing what God wants us to do. Why? Because God sacrificed for us. He safeguards us. That ought to encourage us. But He doesn't just safeguard us from from false declaration. He safeguards us from condemnation, right? The question then would be, well, who can condemn us? We may be late on the electric bill, but in the next life, we'll have eternal glory. And nobody can take that from us. Nobody can condemn us. Why? Because God's for us. Christ died for us and we live in Him. And when we live in Him, we know that we have salvation. That ought to be encouraging. No one can condemn us. He even makes intercession for us. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about the fact that Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now and when... We need someone to intercess on our part. We have each other, but He is intercessing for us at the same time. Hebrews 7.25 He's our high priest, and He's sitting there on our behalf before the Father. Intercessing for us. That is such an encouragement. Doesn't it make you feel good when you know your loved ones and your brethren are praying for you? That's intercession, right? It ought to really encourage us to know that Christ is in the very presence of the Father, sitting in the power position of the throne and intercessing on our behalf. He knows each one of us by name. What an encouragement. We ought to be encouraged to know that when this short life is over, we're going to stand justified before God. Through the first four verses of our passage, Paul encouraged his reader. He encouraged them to understand that God sacrificed for us. Be encouraged. God sacrificed for you. Be encouraged because God safeguards you. But He also wants the reader to be encouraged because God secures us. He secures us. What does He secure us from? Well, first of all, He's going to secure us from separation from Him. We're not going to be separated. That ought to be one of the most comforting Passages in the Scripture, right? God will secure us and no one can separate us from His love. What a wonderful thought. Christ Himself said this in John 10, verses 27 through 28. He said, But you believe not because you are not of My sheep. As I said unto you, of course He's talking to the Jewish leaders, My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now we need to understand what he's saying there, right? We need to make sure that we understand that he is not saying that there is the impossibility of losing your salvation. That is not at all what the Lord was stating. Notice again what Paul asked. Who shall separate you? Who shall separate you or us from the love of God? 
And we can add in what Christ said, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. He didn't say we couldn't leave. He didn't say we couldn't change our minds. He didn't say we couldn't decide to do something else. I talked to some uh, some people this morning, some of uh, y'all, and I was talking about the door knocking that we had. Nicole and I knocked on her door. This young lady came to the door, had a little boy there, and we were talking with her. Then her husband came to the door, and, and he is an Episcopalian priest. Grew up in the Lord's Church. And left. So is Jesus teaching us that we cannot lose our salvation once we obey the gospel and we become a Christian? Is He saying we can't change our minds and go in another direction? I'm telling you right now, that's not what He's saying. I've seen that happen and so have you. What He is saying is no person, no outside force can separate us from God. That ought to be encouraging. That's what the revelation is all about. You win, you may be uh, tormented, you may endure trials, you might even lose your life, but you are going to be saved in the end because no power in this world can separate us from the love of God. We need to keep in mind what Paul told those in Galatia. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. We had some people in that situation that were going to change their minds. They were going a different route. They had obeyed the gospel. Now they were going to go back to another religion. They fell from grace. Outside of our own free will, nothing, nothing can separate us from God. God secures us. But He doesn't just secure us from separation. He secures us from tribulation. And we need to understand what we're talking about. The great apostle is not saying that people in situations in this life are not going to endure tribulation. What he is saying is that tribulation will not separate us from God unless we allow it. Bad things happen to good people. In that, and a lot of the time it's not even our fault when something bad happens. So God is going to secure us just simply because something bad happens to us in the world doesn't mean God is punishing us. Let's ask Job's friends, right? What did they believe? Job was suffering, therefore God's separating Himself from you. No, not at all. God secures us and will not separate Himself simply because bad things happen to good people. He's saying, don't give up. Don't give up because something bad happens in your life. I've told a lot of young people that have come to me and I've talked to them about certain things and, and this has been going on for years. And, and, I, and I tell this to my daughters. Something happens and I'll say, if that's the worst thing that happens to us, we've got it made. Because we can overcome. We can overcome. There's nothing we can't overcome except a hardened heart. If we harden our heart like Pharaoh did, Sometimes people get to the point where they cannot repent. Not that God wouldn't forgive them, but that they choose not to do it. We cannot overcome a hardened heart if we do not allow it to become softened. But anything else in this life, we can overcome that. Within six to eight years of Paul's writing, the Christians in Rome suffered the greatest tribulation up to that point in history by the hand of Nero. We're talking around... Uh, about A.D. 65, uh, somewhere in there. 
Now later on during the Revelation, toward the latter end of the century, they suffered probably more, but it was more because it was widespread. went throughout the world. We cannot be separated from God because of tribulation. And don't you know that these people who read that were encouraged because of that? Paul answered his own question of who shall separate us from the love of Christ. He says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. I'm not a Greek scholar, but uh, I use a lexicon from time to time, and I look up some words, and I, I try to understand what they mean in the original text. This Greek word indicates super conquerors. Super conquerors. In other words, He has given us overwhelming victory in Christ. Overwhelming victory. In the blessings of God, have we read that in the Bible? And that you might have them more abundantly. Right? That's what we have if we're faithful to Him. An earthly, an earthly conqueror, what does he win? Earthly, earthly medals, earthly uh, material blessings, things of that nature. What does, a, what does the spiritual conqueror win? Eternal life. Never ending. That ought to encourage us. Paul declared that he was persuaded of those facts. He said, I'm persuaded. I know in whom I have believed. And this is what I need to know. My salvation cannot be taken from me. I have to give it up before it is relinquished. Only if we grow weak within ourselves and we decide to leave the side of God can we lose our salvation. But it can happen. As we read this beautiful passage, we, know, we come to know one great truth. God loves us. He's for us and He is going to safeguard us. He's going to secure us. He's going to do all of those things that we talked about if we allow Him to do it. And He wants to do it. What an encouragement to allow, that allows us to endure the time that we have on this earth when, when things get a little bit rough. I want us to take this with us and, and think on these things when we become a little bit discouraged because that's going to happen from, from time to time. We don't have to worry because God is going to take care of the faithful. Well, we first have to be faithful, right? We first have to be a part of His family before He can take care of us. We talked about how we do that. If you haven't done that, if you haven't obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, do that today. But sometimes we, we leave the family fold and, and we need to come back. And we can do that also. If you've, if you've done anything or you have something in your life that's separating you from God, it, it, you, it's hard to be encouraged, isn't it? But we can change that today. If you have need to answer this Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.